0: Hey, I've been uh, thinking a lot about the things that we've been teaching and preaching over the last year. This was kind of a reflective week. Do you ever have reflective weeks? They're very important. Just to reflect and say, okay, what are we trying to build? And here we're trying to take on a crazy thing of a small little church that puts a, buys a building and puts it in the heart of the city. This like God-sized goal, right, that we didn't think was happening. And then we've been talking a lot about culture. What is the culture that we're going to build, right? We are going to come together and love one another, but we are going to be spirit-led people. People that simply do this, that simply say, Father, I hear from the Holy Spirit because he can only say what the Father tells him, and to live like Jesus. So like we always say, when people come in, they don't meet Kurt, they don't meet John, they don't meet Mark, they don't meet Bertha, they make, meet Jesus when they come in. And we're trying to build that culture. And, and so I, I talk also about this idea a lot, and I, and I stole it from my, from my man, uh, John Wimber, but this idea of living on the edge of faith, right? This like cliff of faith where you're up against the edge and you're like, it's only going to be God if this works, right? Like this moment where we go and we say, faith really looks like us living on the edge and being, being willing to go for it, you know? And so we've we've been talking a lot about that, but I think I did a little disservice for us because I've been thinking that we, you know, I realized that we haven't really talked that much about the emotions and the anxiety and the fear and the worry that comes with everyday faith, especially if we're calling our people to the edge of faith, right? So oftentimes we, we can get comfortable in churches. We're a church that won't, tries to never let you guys be comfortable. Again, I'm terrible at selling church. But we are trying to be a church where you never feel comfortable, which means that we're going to be on the edge. And so there's struggles, and there's anxiety, and there's worry, and there's fear that comes when you're on the edge. The edge is a place where comfort and security and normality begin to come into question. You ever feel that? When you're right there on the edge, it's like comfort goes out the window. Security goes out the window, right? And it's really hard because these are things that will push us further away from the edge of faith because our carnal nature so longs for those things. So many emotions and fear never allow us to get to the edge. Sometimes it's like, man, I know that God's calling me to this. I, I feel like God's saying that I'm supposed to do this or that. And I think in min- in the next couple of years, I'm praying i literally am praying that another church this is unbelievable to think about but another church might pop out of this church like people are called to plant more churches or or go live somewhere and be on fire for the lord and i just feel like that's going to be requiring us to be a little bit more normal on the edge now it's an amazing journey that god has me on cuz god has me on the edge a lot pray for my wife meg she likes she likes to be on the edge as well but I have found over the course of my career, ever since ever since I was like in high school, I'm always on the edge. I, would, I have the apostolic gifting. I like to be out on the edge, or at least I thought I did, or at least I come off like that. But I'm not 100% comfortable on the edge. I just know that that's where the Lord wants us, right? Yeah. I'm not 100% comfortable. And you know, it's really cr- crazy because I meet some people that seem to be really comfortable on the edge. You ever know those people? Half the time, they're faking it. I'm just going to say it. Half the time, they're faking it. They're on the edge, but they're faking it. And it's okay to not feel 100% comfortable, but it's also not okay to back down because we want to be comfortable. And so we see this, that one of the things that we see is that as we shape up this church, we, we, we say we want to be the people that are on the cutting edge of faith. Now, one thing that you know about me is I find myself on the edge. Maybe some of you know this. If you're close to me, you know this. I also suffer from anxiety. I have anxiety. Uh, it's been a place that I've found so much freedom in my life. And I'm going to talk about that today, but I'm not 100% comfortable because I live on the edge with anxiety. It's a tough go. It really is a tough go. And the best way I can describe it, I, um, I had a buddy that we were walking through this, this dude that had a breakdown at World Vision that was like a vice president, and he was uh, one of the most successful guys you'd ever meet. And he had this breakdown and no one knew that it was coming. So he, as soon as that happened, him and I just walked together. Cause he's like, I'm gonna help young guys to, to not suffer from this. And he described it as like this pilot light. If you've ever had this like worry or anxiety, it's like this pilot light that seems to always be on. Now the problem with the pilot light is sometimes gas can get added to it. And sometimes all of a sudden it goes from a pilot light to like, you got a wildfire going inside you, right? And everyone, has a level of this, right? There's, there's this level. Some of it's like the dimmest little thing that you're like, Kurt, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. Ba- bear with me. There's going to be some lessons here. But some of us have like a full-fledged fire going inside us right now. And so it's really hard because you find ourselves on the edge of the faith with this pilot light that's going off. No matter where your anxiety or your worry, the pilot light looks a little bit different for each one of us. So as we begin thinking about this thought of being on the edge of a cliff called faith where we say, hey, I'm at this point where I have been called to and now it's only you, God. Either God comes through or I'm gonna look like a fool. Each one of us are called to that level of faith and you see it over and over again in the biblical text. So when I was thinking about being on the edge of a cliff, I naturally thought about cliff divers. I did a lot of studying on cliff divers this week. I watched some YouTube documentaries. I really went deep here. But cliff divers, as best I can describe them, have completely lost their minds. <laughs> they, are, they are jumping off a cliff. That, professionals are jumping off a cliff at 85 feet up into moving water. So not into a pool, but into an ocean or a sea or something like that. The, the main competition is 85, but there's one competition where they jump from 145 feet. <laughs> They don't jump. They, jumping is a bad term. They somersault off it with twists and all that stuff. So, so here, here's, here's what we see. Cliff divers have to go from here. Okay, now I have to say this. I, I had to make a choice. Are we a PG or a PG-13 church? And I went with PG. They also wear very skimpy uh, outfits. So I, I, I took care of it for you. Don't worry. You we, uh, we can never be too safe. right? Meg and I went back and forth and said, you know what, I'm going to be good. So, so this is the PG version of cliff diving. I watched a lot of documentaries, just trust me on this. So you have to go from this, and then his guy's sitting 85 feet up, and he has to go to this. What in the world is that dude doing? He jumps, and he's flipping, he's flopping, and he's going down, and look at this. So you have to go from that to that. Now, I watched a documentary on, on, on YouTube, and all the divers said, That every time they are on the edge, they are actually nervous. Every time, whether in practice or in competition, they are nervous. There is fear and anxiety that they face every time they step onto it, without exception. Now, the interesting thing is that they view this as a good thing because they are facing death. And so for them, they have to take it seriously, right? It's not injury. It's death. You don't just fall off that and just survive. So what they have to do is they, they, they have to face this fear and anxiety. Each one of them has to. Now, the thing about it is they talked about it in this documentary, and, and they said this. They said they can't live in the fear. They don't live in the fear. They, they don't entertain anxiety. They recognize it. They acknowledge it, and then they put it in its rightful place because if they did, if they embraced it, they wouldn't jump off the cliff, right? Like, they can't do it. You can't physically. If you let nervousness and, and feelings of worry and anxiety, you can't actually jump off that. So it's not that they're like, we, I never feel it. I don't feel any of this stuff. They say, no, we feel it like anybody else that would walk onto this platform. But instead, we have to set it and put it in its rightful place. You know, it's, it's interesting because anxiety is skyrocketing right now, right? We know this. Anxiety and worry, and amongst, especially amongst the next generation, It's skyrocketing. And the pilot, like I talked about, it it begins to flare up. And some of the dimmest dimmest light that you can imagine, maybe it's hard to put into words, but all of us have a little bit the propensity that it could happen, right? For some of us, it's like a Bunsen burner, and it's like there's a wildfire about to happen, and the smoke's about to involve all of you, right? I feel that way sometimes, too, for me. And we we see this. The challenge in today's world is that there's money to be made, and flaring that bunts and burner up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Social media, they've had whistleblowers. And they said, look, we know this. We build algorithms that fear or anxiety or anger. If those trigger, then they're going to promote it, right? Because they know that the carnal nature of us, that's what we're going to click to. There's like comfort in anxiety. It's weird. We know that news does it, right? The colors that they pick, how they talk about things, the, the stories that they choose to show you, are anxiety-inducing, they're worry-inducing, they're fear-inducing. And, and, and we see this, that some of us have family of origin problems. That, that's where my, mine comes out of a family origin. I, I was in an anxious family. It's totally fine, but it's stuff that I've had to deal with. Some of us have word curses on us, right? Things that people have said about us that aren't true, but we have accepted them. And this brokenness and insecurity leads to this snowballing effect where our pilot light's like, woo, let's go. But each one of us are going to be called to this edge of the cliff faith, and we have to find a way to move past worry and anxiety and fear. Imagine those cliff divers. If they're at 85 feet and they start thinking about the YouTube video that they watched that went horribly wrong, or they start thinking about all the things that people said about them, like they're crazy for doing this, or they can't do this, or they can't do that, they would never jump off that cliff. They would never get from the top to the bottom. So let's get in the Word. You know, uh, uh, like, like I said, this sermon's going to be as much per- personal for me. And, and I, I was praying really hardcore. Some of you guys may not deal with this, and that's fine. But I know that some people in this room do. And so I'm sharing that a personal. It's not going to be like a theological breakdown, but it's rather going to be a personal story of what I've been doing when it happens when we're faced with overwhelming challenges and difficulties. If we follow the Lord long enough, We will find ourselves on the edge of the faith. If you don't find yourself there, you're doing something wrong. If our faith leads us to more comfort and more security and more like, oh, my life is getting easier and easier, unfortunately, it's wrong. And unfortunately, this is the church that's going to keep pulling you out and out to have more conversations, to invite more people, to share the gospel in new ways, to take care of the poor in ways that we never expected, right? And so we see this, that if you follow long enough, you might have worry and anxiety that comes up, and that's going to be one thing. But oftentimes, in Christian circles, the, the, the verse comes up. If you've ever been in Christian circles long enough, you know this. It's like, oh, but what about the birds and the lilies of the field? Do you remember this Bible verse? Like That's like oftentimes what gets brought up is this. But it's this classic Christian line, it's good, but for me, in the heights of my anxiety or worry, those verses didn't do anything for me. I'm going to talk about that. I'm not going to say that the Bible verses were wrong. I'm going to say they didn't do anything for me. And I'm going to break this down for you. I'd open my Bible. I'd read this verse. I'd somehow try to will myself to just stop doing it, to stop overthinking things, to stop with anxiety, to stop worry. And to be honest, it just didn't do anything. Have you ever had that experience? You want so badly to read a verse and open up your Bible and just all of a sudden anger goes away or worry and anxiety goes away or that sin and that temptation and that addiction just goes away. It's just like magically like, oh, I read it, got it, now it's gone. But it wasn't happening for me. Wouldn't that be nice? I struggled with that. For many years, I struggled with this verse. It's an incredible thing that Jesus would say about anxiety and fear and worry that didn't do anything for me. It was really a challenge. And I wrestled with God about it. I'd wrestle with him. I'm like, I don't understand why this is happening to me. And as I matured, I realized that I wasn't supposed to wrestle with God about it. I was supposed to wrestle with the verse, right? Because there's truth in the verse. There's truth in the verse, and I just need to wrestle with the verse, not wrestle with God on it, right? I need to say, okay, if this is true, I'm going to wrestle with it on the inside and not just read it and hope that something would instantly happen and change me, but rather wrestle with it and trust it is true, and it's a journey. So today's word is not going to be a theological breakdown, like I said, but we're going to be in Luke 12. Chapter 12, topic Jesus is going to share a lot about personal discipleship, the whole thing, you should read it. But focus on one thing that we're able to deal with here, which is, is worry. So let's start at Luke 12, 20, 20, 22 through 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Notice something about this verse. Notice something about this verse. This is a hard thing. I want to be very sensitive to this. But you can try to flip it on its head. You can try to do whatever you want with that verse. But one thing you notice is that there's a direct demand from Jesus. There's a direct demand from Jesus. Do not worry about your life. This is what Jesus is telling us to do, right? So this is not optional. This is a hard truth to faiths, right? Because oftentimes you feel a level of shame or guilt if you worry about it. When you read this, when someone tells you this and you're going through stuff, you're like, it says don't do it and I'm doing it. But there's a direct command to do it, okay? So we have to accept that. But we wrestle with it. We realize that we don't simplify it to that, but we rather wrestle with it. That there's this direct man from, demand from Jesus to not worry. If you struggle with this area, there is no shame. I'm laying, I'm taking the shame off you, okay? Just wrestle with these verses. I'm just trying to point out that it does directly command us not to worry, okay? So if you're saying, Kurt, you're being too harsh, I'm not. I'm saying there's no shame in it. I'm just pointing it out, okay? And the struggle in this area, there's no shame. But we wrestle with it because we say Jesus is Lord. And if we say Jesus is Lord and he's Lord of our lives, okay, then we must be experiencing or he must be speaking of a freedom that we can attain. So if he's Lord of our lives and we say that he's Lord, then there must be some freedom on the other side because he wouldn't command us if there wasn't a way to that freedom. Does that make sense? And so we see that. In life, we're going to always face opportunities to fear and feel anxious and worry. That comes with it. There's hardships. But we are not to embrace it. We are not to embrace it. We are like the guys that are up on the dive, or the females that are up on the diving thing, and we're going to experience it. But Jesus, I think, is saying don't embrace it. Many of us can embrace anxiety. Many of us can embrace worry. Some of us can yeah. embrace fear. We can actually find comfort in it. I have in my life before, obviously, but we're not to live in it. You know, for times I embraced it and I was like, I, I kid you not, I talked to a counselor about this one time, I was like, man, anxious Kurt is like really endearing Kurt. Like people love it. Like it's like, I'm all over the place, so you don't know what you're going to get. And it just was like this lie that I told myself, like, oh man, this is just who I am And I embraced it. Like, I'm never going to get over anxious, Kurt. And you can see me. I'm hyperactive. You see me bouncing around all the time. That's fine. But we have to not embrace it, but rather we have to put it in this right place. We turn to it. We see that Jesus followers, we are commanded to face these times and process it. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with these things. I'll say this. The pilot light, when it's on fire, when it's blowing, it's incredibly difficult to get it to go down. It is. But... There's a freedom journey. And it was not turn off automatically. But all of a sudden, you're on this journey, and you begin to say, "Woo, it's turning down a lot faster. And before you know it, over time, as you build this resistance, resilience, as you, as you go through this, you say, man, it's almost gone completely. Things that you would face that you don't even feel. To stop being afraid, to stop feeling anxious, fear begins to subside. When we know that we can trust in the Lord. And so Jesus is going to go on. And give us reasons why we can trust. Because he's going to say, okay, you do not worry. This is a command. And Jesus is the provider why we can trust. Well, in human nature, we need to know reasons why we can trust. So let's keep going. Luke 12, 24 through 23. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Now, when I would get into this verse, I completely missed the first word in this verse, and this was the wrestling for me. The first word in this verse is consider, and actually in the Greek, the word consider here, that's a good, good translation, but contemplate is actually a better, a better word for this. So Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to contemplate the birds, We read it, consider, it's like, uh, okay, keep reading. We read this real fast, but contemplate the birds. He's saying, I want you to look thoughtfully at birds. We're not going to go into the lilies of the field, but he says the same thing. Look thoughtfully at the lilies of the field. He's going to say, consider it, look a long time, actually kind of just experience them. And so I began to do that. Part of my faith journey is I began to do that. Now, first, anybody that's close to me, you might start worrying, it's okay, I am not becoming a bird watcher. I do not own a birds of the Pacific Northwest or an app of the birds. I have been known every once in a while to, like, there's a hummingbird, like, hey, boys, come look at the hummingbird. you know? But I, and look at binoculars at some birds, which is totally fine. But I am not becoming a bird watcher. A little bit. I'm heading towards it. If anybody wants to go to the Nisqually Bird Sanctuary with me, there will be a church uh, trip there next Saturday. I'm joking. Don't come to the church. But this is what Jesus is saying. Spend time thinking about these things. The word opens the verse for me when you begin to do it. Saying, if you have fear, if you're fe- worried about the future, if you have anxiety, something's going on, try this. Yeah. Contemplate the birds. Mm-hmm. Contemplate it. Actually think about it. What can we learn from birds? <laughs> so, I know. I went, ran through this. I told you this is not a theological breakdown. This is my experience. But what can we learn about from the birds? Because I, I literally, I have journals about, if you're thinking about the birds. And here's what I learned. Number one, first, they're present in the moment. They're present in the moment. Yeah. We see this. As I spend time contemplating, it's an incredible thing that animals have that humans don't have. We do not have this ability. This is a trained ability. It's an incredible ability to be present in the mo- moment. They seem to not worry about the things that they cannot control. They're in fight or flight, right? They don't worry about weather, what the weather's going to be. They don't worry about the wind. They don't worry about what tomorrow's going to bring. Like, they are in, like, I need food, and I'm going to find food, and then I'm going to rest. And then I'm going to find food, and I'm going to rest. Dana was telling me about this book that I haven't read yet, but she said it's, like, right on this topic. It's called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, <laughs> which is a great line for a book. And, and, and it's this, right? The animal kingdom, there's fight or flight, the human brain goes through complex processes every day. Everything that we experience, like the human brain goes, and it's like complicated what's happening up here in our brains. However, we we see this, that a lot of these things that we process actually do more harm than good for us. And so when we experience anxiety, we experience fear, we experience worry, Where where instead of doing something about it, oftentimes we go into our brain and we process it. And oftentimes that causes more harm than good. Overthinking and stressing over what we cannot fix. This leads to an anxiety about the future. And we need to be able to be present in this moment. I really do believe that that's what the Lord has called called me to. Like being present this moment. To experience life in this moment. For any of us who worry or have fear, in this moment, right now, can you be present? I know that many of you right now are thinking about five or six things that you have to do this week while I'm speaking. Like your complex brain is working rather than just experience this moment. Matthew 6, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble zone. Each day you need to be present. I read that fast because everyone knows that verse. But each day you need to be present because Jesus says it again, right? Tomorrow will take care of itself. Being present is the best gift that you can give anyone. I missed it for years. If you want any gift to anyone, the best gift you can give them is to be full of you at that full moment. It's the best gift you can give a spouse. It's definitely the best gift you can ever give your kids, right? I've spent many of hours having to watch Jeremiah build Lego pro- pro- projects just to be present with him, right? It's the best gift that you can give anybody here. We don't, seriously, we don't, and we do need your tithe checks, but we don't, we don't want your money. We don't want your, your time. We want you to be present with us. We want you to be fully you, a Jesus disciple that's fully you. So we see that. When we're carrying worry and stress and anxiety about the future, it actually messes up our present. That's the problem. And God works in the present. Do you guys feel that? Like these moments that you can completely miss because your anxiety and worry and fear and all the complex, even if you don't have those things, like thinking 10 steps down the road where you're going, you're not present in the moment. The greatest gift that you can give people. Number two. Second about the birds. And I know this is going to sound stupid, but I, Megan and I are super passionate about this. They're experiencing the outside. I don't know how else to say this. They're experiencing the outside. Let me feed into this a little bit. One of the greatest challenges of this next generation, but it's your generation too, whatever generation you're in, is we are disconnected from the created universe. We are disconnected from the created universe. We are somehow vicariously living through these screens and vicariously living through other people's lives. It is so messed up. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. Don't even get me started about the metaverse. I'm going to not go there. Christians, if I catch you on the metaverse, I mean, it's just going to be over. It's hard. It's hard because here's here's the problem. The creator, the one who Jesus said, this is the person you can trust, right? The creator, the one who made all things and provides all things, the further we move away from the natural created world, the further we move away from the creator, And that's why people have so much anxiety and worry, I think, in so many ways. The further we move away from the created world, we move away from the creator. And so if there's anxiety and worries, it's why I make my kids go on 10-mile hikes all the time. Because it's like, hey, get out there, and you're going to experience the created world. Because when you experience the created world, you experience the creator. Birds are so connected to the creator because they're experiencing the created world. You know, there's two experiences I've read in self-help things. I've tried both of them. And you know, one, you're supposed to take off your shoes and you're supposed to walk in grass. I mean, these are things that are better than drugs, they say. Some of these things are better than drugs. Like they instantly take your, I don't know, Phil's here, he can tell you, or Dana. Cortisone level or whatever it is. But instantly take it and, and completely change it by walking barefoot in grass. It's the greatest thing you can do. Cold plunges. I jump in any cold water ever. If anybody wants to go cold water jumping, I will go with you anytime. It it makes you feel alive. It is the best thing in the world. Now, why is that? It works because it's a God thing. It works because it's a God thing. It's taking a moment when your insides in the wildfire, the burning anxiety or worry or whatever is happening, you're saying, I'm going to connect with the created world so I can connect with the creator. Because he said, Jesus said, why do you worry about these things? the creator of the universe, the Lord of it all, he's going to provide for you. Doesn't he love you more than birds? Come on now. And that's what it's saying. Third, they experience hardship. It's hard being a bird. It really is. Matter of fact, it's not only is it hard being a bird. He says, consider the ravens. Ravens are disgusting. I would have much preferred this to be like, Consider the American bald eagle, right? How they soar and how they're free. And now they go down, they take care of number one. They go and grab that fish and they just demolish it over American Lake. It's the best thing to watch. Ravens are scavenger birds. They're like, someone's got to hit a deer with their car or some animal's got to die before I can even eat, right? And it says, consider the ravens. Sometimes there's a lot of food, sometimes they're not. There's going to be hardships. They're experiencing them. Life of an animal. But in 2022, we have, in the West in particular, we have tried every which way, and our nature is to say, how do I make my life so comfortable? How do I take out any sort of risk of challenges or hardships, rather than how do I embrace hardships? They're going to come, but the problem is we don't build the resilience because we try to avoid them so much. So when hardships come, it's like, oh my goodness, the world's going to end. Rather than, you know what, I've been there before and the Lord has come through for me. And when he says do not worry, Jesus is saying you can trust because you can either consider the birds or even if you don't want to consider the birds, think about this. How many times has he come through for you? Each one of us. And that's why we're in community as well. Because when we face hardships, we can go and we can meet. I can go with my brother John. I can be like, I'm going through this. And John can say, you know what, I went through something similar. I went through something just like that. Here's how God came through. Let me, let me walk alongside you. But instead, we say, oh my goodness, this hardship. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. I don't know how it, how it is. And we don't build resilience. And we enter into this loop of worry and anxiety and stress. The Lord comes through. We can't control everything in our lives. We can't not ever let people down. So God's saying, let go and trust me. I took care of the birds. I'm going to help you. All right, let's. Luke, 20, Luke 12, 25 through 26. I'm going to just keep going because Jesus is going to ask this important question. So, when it comes to advancing God's kingdom with with and through you, if we can't get past worry, then we really can't get to the things that matter. And so, Luke uh, 12, 25 through 26, he says, "Of uh, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour for, to your life? Another really tough one to quote if somebody's going through a panic attack, just FYI, because it makes them feel even worse. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? But I want to be very careful on this one. It came to, it, it took a while for me to come to it, but here's a newsflash. Worrying and anxiety is really inefficient. It really doesn't do anything. I, I want it to. I, anybody wants it to, right? It feels good. I don't know why it feels like you're controlling or you're pushing it down, but it's really inefficient. And Jesus is warning this. He's saying, how can I say, do not worry? Cause we look at this. Jesus warns it saying, cause it doesn't help. It's a pretty easy equation here. I mean, I would wish I would have gotten it sooner, but like, do not worry. Why? Cause it doesn't do anything. It doesn't add an hour to your life, right? It's very simple. You're going down a road that ultimately ends in a dead end is what Jesus is trying to tell you. And I wish I knew that. Like I'm driving and I'm going 100 miles per hour down that road. I know it's going to end, but some reason I just keep going, right? It's like a train where I just like, I can't stop this thing or I need to jump off, but I can't find out how to do it. When the pilot light starts getting hot, when anxiety starts creeping in, when you find yourself on a worry train heading for nowhere, it's hard to stop it we found this question to be very, very helpful for me. And this question is exactly, exactly in line with who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? It says, is this solving anything? I say it out loud. I say, is this solving anything? Is this worry? Is this going 10 miles down the track solving anything? Because he's saying, do not worry because you can't add an hour to your life anyway. Is this thought leading anywhere productively? Believers, we have to get aggressive with our thoughts. 2 Corinthians ten five, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. In this section, Paul is talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about battle that's happening between your ears and from your heart to your head. This area right here. There is a battle happening to various degrees for each person, but there is battle happening here. Part of the battle is to stop worrying. Part of the battle is to find freedom from anxiety. to remember that you are in warfare in your mind. And the part of the battle is taking thoughts captive. simply means taking control over the things that are pressing negatively against your life. Uh, I shared this. It came to a moment. About six years ago, I was stressed out. I, I At World Vision, I had multi-million dollar fundraising goal in my head. There was a lot of things going wrong. There was two little kids in the house. I don't know if you guys ever remember that stage. It's like it's like a panic attack waiting to happen. I've never experienced anything like that. I let the pilot light just kind of keep burning, and I had a straight up panic attack. I think I've shared this from stage, but many people are new. So, uh, I, uh, I couldn't control my heartbeat, couldn't control my thoughts, I couldn't control uh, my energy. And so my, my, my wife said, uh, she said, all right, I remember your mom said when Kurt gets anxious to go make him go run. I hadn't run in three years. So I, I go and I run, I put on my watch. I ran three miles, sub seven minutes. My adrenaline was like, I should have been racing. And I was like, I've never been more sore the next day in my entire life. I blitzed it. My adrenaline, that's how high my adrenaline was on this. And I'll never get there again. I promised to my wife and I promised to myself, I will never get there again. And my wife and I went through this journey on this, taking every thought captive. Taking every thought captive. We read this verse so passively. I've used this illustration before. There are thoughts right now, right now, but all day long coming at you. And we are an open bridge to our mind. Whatever comes, whatever the media tells us, whatever your friends tell you, whatever word curses, whatever whatever craziness that we think up here, right? It's an open bridge. And we have to put a guard at that bridge with a, with a sword that holds it up to the throat of every, every thought that comes. Yes. And we say, are you of God? Are you not of God? Right. And if they're not of God, be gone. If they are of God, right in here. Right in here. But there's warfare happening. And Christians, we have a, we have a six-lane highway that is coming straight in to our, from our thoughts into our brain. that is setting things and they're seeding things that are not of God, but, we, but our mind somehow will think of them as God later. We have to hold every thought captive. Let's keep reading because it's critical to further freedom. What do we replace these thoughts with? Luke 12. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not only do we take every thought captive, but those captive thoughts, we set them on the kingdom. Every thought that comes in needs to be kingdom, needs to be thinking about the kingdom. We move our thoughts from the carnal, earthly things to the kingdom, the things that are about God. It's totally upside down kingdom stuff too, right? We know this. It, when we worry, when we worry, when we worry about what other people think, when we think about if we have enough money for our kids' college, which I, that was one that just popped up in my head when we worry about if we can make all the ends meet, if we worry about will we find the house that will be perfect for us, when we worry about uh, the job that we're just not loving or the things that we're doing that are just, just not working, we are actually, instead of leaning into ourselves, which is the natural, God says lean into the kingdom, just trust me, upside down. When life feels like it's going terrible, stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. I've had to do it over and over again. We enter in and we get more consumed with our thoughts of ourselves, ourselves, ourselves. And the Lord here is saying, take everything thought cognitive, stop it, and only let kingdom thoughts in and start thinking about the kingdom. Why do we think we have so much anxiety going on? I I think it's directly tied to no one's doing anything to care for other people. Like we're so in ourselves and ourselves and thinking about ourselves. Just unfortunately, I wish it wasn't true, but it is. And this isn't a Jesus thing. This is like a, people notice from a mental sin. The more we think about ourselves and we process ourselves and ourselves and ourselves, the further down the hole we get. And Jesus comes with a solution. He says, okay, woo, slow down, brother or sister. We come and we say, hey, come and put your hearts on the kingdom. I'm called to lean into kingdom things, it's counter to it. All our self leads to stress. And all our self leads to anxiety. And all our self leads to depression. And all our self leads to panic attacks. And it leads us back to this need for control. And the Lord is reminding us, I took care of the birds. I took care of the lilies. How much more do I love you? So he says, your job is there's one job. Each one of you has one job. If you summed up your faith... In one sentence, it would be this. Focus on seeking his kingdom. Focus on seeking his kingdom. Everything else goes goes to you because it says right here that the Father has great pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's actually his joy. He actually loves it. It was one of those weeks that Like, old Kurt would have been like panic attack Kurt. Like, dude, it was like one of those weeks where my elders can understand there's so many things moving at the church, and you've seen it, so I'm going to let you. Someone stole all the copper out of our air conditioning unit. Sorry, Eddie, downstairs. You're kind of (laughs) hot down there. That's all right. So much anxiety. So much friends. So many of my friends are going through stuff right now that I'm just like, oh, man, this is so challenging. So challenging. We, We would text somebody about, Hey, would you want to come to Alpha? They're like, well, actually, I'm through, going through the middle of a divorce. And you're just like, man, like, just stuff that's just so hard. It's just beating me down. That my pilot light would have been like, woo, But seeking his kingdom, I haven't felt any of that. It's been amazing. Colossians 3, 2 tells us to do this. We seek his kingdom. We trust in him. and we set our minds on the things above, not on heavenly not on earthly things. Believers, set this into your hearts. When Jesus rose from the dead, we in Christ died with him and we rose with him. So now where does he goes? Where he goes, we go. So like we talked about last week, he is in the heavenly realms. He is in a heavenly throne right now. And so we, in our carnal nature, somehow our minds are up in heaven right now. That's why one of our core values is speak heaven here on earth. How do we do that? We live in the earth, but our minds are set on the heavenly things. This means that we meditate on them. If you're not meditating on God's word, you're missing it. We prioritize them, right? We prioritize time to get our carnal self into our heavenly mindset, right? Above all, we let heaven shape us. We let heaven shape us in every aspect of our life. The kingdom extends the heavenly space down here onto earth. Right now in space and time, somehow, when we set our minds on heavenly things, when we seek his kingdom, heaven invades earth. And that's the equation that's happening. And we seek his kingdom when we set our minds on things above. And when we do, anxiety goes down and worry goes down and everything goes down. When we're present here on earth with a kingdom mindset, we are having our innermost beings changed. But Here's the beautiful thing about it. When we set our minds and our hearts on the heavenly things, our innermost being is changed. But what also happens is that we make an eternal impact into others, right? There's no program. Alpha won't even do this. Like There's no program. There's no thing that we can do that's more efficient, and we see it over and over again, that us, each one of us, setting our mind on the heavenly things, bring it here on earth, changing our innermost being, and then affecting everyone around us. That's the equation. Our internal impact changes other people's lives. We, we When we let beauty and the values of heaven become to change our lives, it's actually visible and tangible for people around us. Yesterday at men's breakfast, I love this. John just talked about, about how we need to be marked as men and women, but all of us, as people who have just been with Jesus, right? When we, when we set our minds on the heavenly things, when we stop worrying, when we stop letting fear, and stop embracing them, when we take every thought captive, what do we do? We begin to look more like Jesus, we begin to be people like, man, they have been with Jesus because we have. Because so we've meditated on the heavenly things. We've gone to our word. We've, we've prayed. And there's no magic bullet to solving this worry thing. But it's this, these practices that I've incorporated in my life that begin to get me on the freedom journey. Yes, sometimes it will just dial up and I'll feel a little anxious and worried. But I go through this process, and it's really helped Now, why do we do that? It was great. Uh, Brian read during prayer time, which like always confirms it for me. He keeps going. I I skipped this part, but right after it, verse 35, it's it's not in there. I'm pulling it up, Ty, but be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. That's what he asks us to do. So right after, Luke 12, 35. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them ready, whose masters process the anxiety and the fear. People that are ready to be on the edge of the cliff just waiting for the Lord. On the edge of faith just saying, hey Lord, It's you. I'm here. I'm waiting. I'm ready for whatever you have for me. He's saying, this is what what I desire. It'd be good for those servants who masters find them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. We're supposed to be ready. And part of being ready, there's a reason that they put this. You can come on up, Jay. He, He so desires us to not worry about the carnal things of life. Because when we worry about the carnal things of life, we are not like a servant ready for his return, ready for any present opportunity that comes our way. We get so consumed by our lives that we don't even see the people that don't know Jesus out there. We get so consumed by our lives that we don't hear from the Lord and we'll say, Spirit, what do you have for me? Because I guarantee that if we replace all that anxiety and worry and fear, the Lord's going to have heavenly assignments and kingdom assignments that are going to nudge us and are going to just— what He desires is to expand His kingdom. But if He has a bunch of servants that are anxious and worried and only thinking about themselves— they're not at the watch. They're not ready. They're not ready. They're not like, Lord, I'm here. What do you have for me? Instead, they're saying, I wish I didn't have this. I wish I didn't have that. I didn't have blah, blah, blah. I've been there. But he desires people to say, man, I don't even, I'm dead to that self. And I am right at the edge of faith. I say, Lord, anytime you're ready for me to jump, I'm ready. And I, and I know that there's fear. And I know that there's worry. And I know there's anxiety right here. But I don't. I choose not to embrace it. Yeah, Rather, right. I set my mind on the things that you desire me to do. Amanda, I don't know, Liz, if you got it, or Brian, or whatever. There's little alpha cards. I'm gonna pass them out. I know this sounds cheesy, but uh, I, we, <laughs> there's so many people that are experiencing this this worry and anxiety that are outside this gosh, you could do a mile around this place that are experiencing this, that have no freedom, that are so trapped in their mind right now. Many of us in this room have, are still in this journey. I don't mean that, but people that just have no freedom whatsoever. And man, we are trying this alpha thing. And, and so I, my challenge for you is be kingdom minded. I'm just giving you one card. You can take more if you want. I don't care. But man, just be praying over like one person that might be struggling in this area. Just hand it to them. Let the Lord do what the Lord's going to do. You don't have to stress over what you say or what, what, uh, what, if they say yes even. But you have to be on the guard. You have to be on the watchman ready for whatever the Lord has for you. So go ahead and stand up with me. Let the band come up. Heavenly Father, right now I pray for anybody that's currently just in a season of uh, anxiousness, uh, a season of anybody has worry on their life right now from anything that they got going on here on Earth. I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would come and just minister to them. That Lord, that they would begin to be open to this freedom journey. I pray that we'd be a church that holds each other accountable and and that focuses on taking every thought captive. I pray that you would help us to open our eyes and our minds to the reality that right now there are lies that are going through our brains that are not of you, and we say, gone in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray right now that we would be people of peace in our community. People that don't say, hey, I don't have fear. Hey, I I, I don't not worry, but rather I don't embrace it. I acknowledge it for what it is. And I say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And he provides everything that I need. And so I found freedom from all the mess that you are experiencing. I pray right now for good conversations with people who are currently going through it. Lord, we love you and we trust you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to add one more thing. I, did, I didn't want to call people out front because I, I, I know this is a personal thing. And there, there is some challenges with it. But um, if you are just in a place where you just need to talk to somebody, we have resources. Um, we have a lot of people that we can connect you with that just feel like, man, I, I, I hear this to be true, Kurt. I, I hear your, your sermon, but I can't even imagine feeling that way. Um, it doesn't go away automatically, but it's in discipleship. And it's with people walking through it with you. And it's with people praying with you. And if it's counseling and you can't afford counseling, we we can figure some stuff out to help with. But I just don't want to leave it where it's like, okay, go and be peace. But rather, let's process it together. So if that's you, you can find me or Dana or Liz or Amanda or whatever. And and we'll just try to work that that out with you. But I didn't want to do front prayer stuff because it's, Uh, is vulnerable. So if that's you, I just want you to know that. So, all right, let's worship together.